We've been through a lot, now we're headed to the top, and it's only getting better. Just watch, cause we got that defense, 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 yeah. So we're excited to do things a little bit differently. Uh, we're actually putting this college segment on its own, making it its own episode uh, on the Laker Sports Talk feed, and we're coming up with our own little name for it, uh, the Bluegrass Blitz. And it's uh, me and Sean Hammond, so Sean's here with me. Sean, how you, how, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing good, Zach. I'm doing good. Glad we decided to do this. We, uh, we, we noticed we were going really long on the college segments. You know, the first week was about 10 minutes, which is all good. But you know, we got 20, I think last week we went almost a half an hour. So we said, you know, we, we don't want to take away too much from the Laker aspect. So what we decided to do was to put the college segment as its own little thing in the Laker Sports Talk podcast feed. So this will be exclusively on the Laker Sports Talk feed. Yeah, you can find that on the Laker Sports Talk feed. And so that way, uh, you know, if you want, you know, still encourage you to Listen to Lakers Sports Talk. It's going to come out every, you know, come out on Thursdays. This one's going to be a little bit more flexible. We're going to, and we're, this is going to be solely focused on, you know, we're going to focus, we're going to talk about college sports. And right now, college football is the talk of the town. And so um, we're going to talk about that. And that's where you can find uh, that segment. So we're just going to use this as an opportunity and, you know, let us, you know, go a little bit deeper into what we talk about. We've been going pretty deep anyway. But. Yeah, well, you know, you first uh, thought about this last week because we finished up our college segment. Went 30 minutes, and we didn't even talk about Alabama losing. Yeah, we, I mean, we didn't even talk about maybe the biggest story in college football that week with Alabama <laughs> going down. We just had a lot to talk about with Kentucky and everybody else. But, uh, yeah, so this will give us an opportunity to uh, have a little bit more freedom with that, and uh, hopefully you all enjoy that. So, uh, Sean, uh, you know, we're coming off of uh, action-packed college football weekend. Um, you know, let's start off with Kentucky. Uh, Cats went down to Athens. Came away with a 30-13 to 13 loss. Uh, not terribly surprising there. Georgia is really good. I mean, they are. I mean, their defense is elite. Their offense is good enough. Their defense is probably the best college defense I've seen in years. It's been a while. And, I mean, I mean, just at, at all levels, from the defensive line to the linebacker core to the secondary, I mean, they have playmakers. They have great speed. Um, guys who know how to make plays. They tackle really well. Um, they do well in coverage. They rush the passer. I mean, poor Will Levis. I mean, he threw the ball 40-some times yesterday, and I think probably 30 of those he had somebody in his face while he was throwing it. Oh, easy. Uh, they are elite. There was no running game for Kentucky in that game. They couldn't run, and that's Kentucky's bread and butter. But, you know, that they had to go through the air, and you know, I thought Will Levis played really good. To put, you in, to put it into perspective – when Kentucky scored on the the lat, toward the end of the game, we'll get into that in just a moment. I just want this is kind of to tell you how good Georgia's defense is. That was a twenty-two play, seventy-five yard drive that took eleven minutes, and Wondell Robinson caught numerous catches, and he finished for the day. Well, I, I mean, let me find it here. I think he had eleven catches on the day. He had twelve receptions for 12. thirty-nine yards. <laughs> so let me repeat that: twenty-two plays. 75 yards in 11 minutes. That tells you you're not going to bomb on this Georgia team. Well, you don't have time to. I yeah. mean, I mean, you, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Levis was having to snap, and then, you know, he's got two, two seconds or less to get the ball out. So there's, there's no opportunities for deep throws because you have to have time to let that develop. When you don't have time to develop, you just got to get it out, hit somebody on a slant route or a little out route or a screen or something and hope for the best. Kentucky's uh, wide receiver problems were exposed. You know, Wandale is elite. 
he's an elite receiver. The problem is, is when you have one receiver that can, that is late, the defense will focus on that one receiver. And Kentucky did have, uh, you know, the tight end rig. He, he, he did a good job. But there was also a lot of drops in that game. And you can't do that against Georgia. You it, can't. Yeah, I think there was probably, there were at least, I, I can think of probably about four throws that were just, that were just drops. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not having Josh Ali hurt. I mean, because Josh Ali is a good, a good secondary yeah. option for Wandale. Uh, but not having him hurt. And then, you know, uh, Rig played well. But there, some of the other younger receivers just, you know, ha- had a ball in their hands and then dropped it. Uh, and, and that's just – that's part of it. Um, you know, I hope hopefully those receivers continue to develop. But, um, no, Georgia's, Georgia's good. And Georgia's really good. And, I mean, we were talking about it earlier. If they stay healthy, there's no reason they shouldn't be the national champions at the end of the year. No, because I even think Georgia is on a different level than Alabama. I mean, I really do. Alabama has a really good offense. But the defense is not what we think associate with Alabama. Georgia's defense is something that I've not seen in years, and I mean years. I mean, to me, when those two teams meet in the SEC championship, which is by all accounts what will most likely happen, I think that game may end up being better than whatever the national championship is. Oh, yeah, I, I, I do believe so. If there is a team that could beat Georgia, I would probably say it, it is Alabama, just because it's 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 always Alabama, you know. In some cases, Alabama is still the daddy of the SEC. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that's really the only team that I would give a shot to, because I mean, at this point, you look around and it's like who else who else has a chance of beating them? I mean, Oklahoma's not doing it. I don't see Penn State doing it. I don't see Iowa doing it. I don't see Ohio State doing it. I don't see Michigan doing it. Uh, who's uh, Cincinnati, I don't think Cincinnati's no. beating them. C- Cincinnati's good, but they're not going to beat Georgia. Matter of fact, I think Georgia would blow them out. I think Georgia would blow most of the teams in the top five out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that like score, a legit blowout. That score right there is probably about the best you could expect. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I was thinking. I mean, obviously, I was trying to be optimistic, but I thought, you know, if, if Kentucky can score a touchdown, I'll be okay. I'm not for moral victories. I'm not. I mean, I'm just. It sucks that we lost. But I, I thought, you know, it'll probably be 24 to 7, something like that. A 17 point loss. Well, you know, 30 to 13. Yeah, and uh, for all the betters out there, <laughs> Kentucky covered you were it. Mad. <laughs> unless you unless you were betting on Kentucky, then you <laughs> then you were pretty happy with that last second touchdown. I, I want to talk to you about that last drive here in a moment because there's there's I mean, some people were making it controversial, but I want you to listen to this. Cavassier Smoke had the most rushing yards for Kentucky. He had five carries for 14 yards. Brutal day. Georgia's defensive tackle, that Jordan Davis, my goodness, that is one of the largest humans I've ever seen in my life. He is a man. He's <laughs> he, just a man. He, may, I mean, Kentucky's got some some big guys on their offensive line, and they look like dwarfs next to him. <laughs> yes, th- th- this, th- that guy loves his steak. <laughs> he, he, eats well two or three, he eats two or three good meals before the yes. game. <laughs> I mean, uh, Kentucky had, let me see here, a total of 51 rushing yards, 1.9 yards a rush. I mean, Georgia just said, no, you're not running it. Um, a couple of positives, though. Kentucky scored the most touchdowns that um, 
that in, in a game against Georgia that any team has done all year, that made no sense. <laughs> Kentucky <laughs> scored two touchdowns, and that's the most Georgia's allowed in a single game all year. Yeah, I, I mean that last touchdown. I mean, and it and it came at a time where you know Georgia still had the first team defense out on the field. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily a you know oh we're gonna put our subs in. Yeah, and, and they, they they were trying. But what what had happened if uh, anybody didn't watch the game is Kentucky they had that eleven minute drive and they got in uh, they they tried to get in the end zone tried to run it in it was like thirteen seconds left whenever they snapped the ball and the clock's rolling and Mark Stoops had one timeout left and called a timeout with I think five five or seven seconds left in the fourth quarter there was no doubt with the game and a lot of people were upset about him calling timeout to stop the clock. Your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, listen, if I'm going to put that much effort into driving down the field, I'm trying to get points at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to sit there on the two-yard line or whatever and just be like, oh, okay, well, we tried, guys. No, put the ball in the end zone if you can. I mean, you need to reward your players for putting together that drive because, albeit it was a weird drive, but 11 plays driving 70-some yards on that defense, yeah. I mean, I mean, finish. I mean, finish your drive off. I don't. I, I I don't understand the people who are like, oh, that's that's poor class. It's different to me. It's different when you're if when you're winning big versus if you're down by a lot. No, try to put points on the board. You drove all that way. I mean, I mean, why not? Why wouldn't it's like it's like driving. It's like going on a road trip and you get so far. You've spent so this amount of time and energy on your road trip to your destination. And then you get you get almost there, and it's like, well, we're not gonna make it the time that we wanted to, so let's just quit now. No, I mean, finish your drive off, do what you need to do, get in the end zone, um, reward your players for being able to score that touchdown. I don't blame Mark Stoops a bit for that. I I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, I think it's I think for the Georgia fans that are mad, stop them. Yeah, stop them. Didn't stop and them. most of the Georgia, most of Georgia fans that are mad, it's just because they bet on Georgia to win that game. Yeah, <laughs> Kentucky was a uh, what a tw- three touchdown underdog, 20, yeah. about twenty two points. I think it was twenty two points. Yeah, yeah, and so that so that ended up uh, ended up messing it up for betters, and that's probably why they're mad. But. That, that's why I love Mark Stoops, though, man. He's a fighter, and you know he said, "No, I'm going to call a timeout," and had a great play call by Lee, which Liam Cohen done a really good job. I thought that was a really good play call. What they did. I thought, I, I thought both of the touchdown plays I thought were really well done. Beautiful play. Especially the one right before halftime, uh, mm-hmm. that, that throw to Justin Riggs sending the guys in motion. Justin Riggs was wide open. In it was the a corner. great fake. Yeah. I mean, I thought Liam Cohen, the two touchdown plays were, were really well done. Yeah. I thought, I thought Liam done a really good job and, uh, you know, he, he's becoming a, Really good offensive coordinator right in front of our eyes. Yeah, I thought his play calling was really great, especially that last touchdown, the way he kind of snuck Wandale in there. Yeah, that that was awesome. Uh, basically, they kind of put Wandale in motion and made it to where he lined up behind the two big tight ends for Kentucky. Snapped the ball, Levis quickly threw it down there, and Wandale just falls into the end zone behind his tight ends. I mean, I, mean, I don't blame you. Just, just fall right into the end zone is the best thing you can do. <laughs> it was a brilliant brilliantly designed play 
Yeah, I thought so. I, I really like what Liam Cohen is doing with the offense. I think his play calling um, has been really good. And then, you know, man, I don't know. I don't know how much longer he's going to be around, man, but so we, need, we need to cherish him while he's here. Him and Wandale both. Yeah, because uh, uh, Liam Cohen has the makings of an NFL offensive coordinator or college football head coach, maybe an NFL head coach one day. I don't know. But I, it, it wouldn't be terribly surprising for him to go back to the NFL um, after he's shown what he can do here. He's he's went well. He's been above expectations for, in my eyes. Oh yeah, I thought we could. I thought we could have this guy maybe uh, two to three years. No, uh, he, he could. I mean, I'm I'm hoping we keep him around for another year or two. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if at the I end of the season. I think he might stay one more year. Just you know. For, uh, for Mark for a commitment to Stoops, but if he gets some kind of big time job offer, you can't blame him. No, you can't blame him a bit, um, and I'm I'm really glad he's here this year because I think he's I think he's done an excellent job. So now Kentucky six and one, and now you go into a bye week. Um, I think it comes at a pretty good time. You have some Much time to, needed. Yeah, you've got you've got some injuries that are starting to pile up. Give those guys another week to kind of heal up a little bit. Hopefully, get Josh Ali back. Um, you know, a couple of players were kind of banged up at the end of that Georgia game. Give them time to heal up, and now you have, and also mentally, it's a good time to regroup because you are coming off of a loss where you win, you went against a really good Georgia team, but you you were soundly defeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it gives you time to kind of move past that and get that out of your head because the rest of the schedule is manageable. They can win out. They they can win out. I it it won't be easy. It, 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 that won't be an easy stretch because these next two games, to me, define the season. You go at you go to Mississippi State, you go to Starkville in that weird environment. That's going to be a night game. They just announced that, so it's going to be a weird night game in Starkville. The cowbells are going to be ringing. Oh God! And we're in Kentucky's just um, Mark Stoops has not done well in Starkville. I mean, not many Kentucky coaches have, to be honest. But under Mark Stoops, I, I don't. They haven't won down in Starkville since like. 2008 or something. Yeah, it's Rich Brooks. Yeah, it's been a. I mean, it's been several years since they've won down in Starkville. So you go down there and then you host Tennessee back to back weeks. I think Kentucky is better than both teams, but weird things happen in Starkville, and I don't think that Mississippi State team is that good. But like I said, it's it's Starkville. It's a weird environment. Anything can happen down there. Kentucky struggled down there, so it's. So, you know, that could end up being a loss, but I think Kentucky is a better team. And then when Tennessee comes in, it's Tennessee. I mean, they've shown to be better than what we originally thought, in my opinion. I think they their offense looks like it's kind of clicking. Um, defense needs some work, but they can put up points, and that may end up being a problem. And Kentucky's not had the best history against Tennessee. I mean, last year it looked like Kentucky may have exercised some of those demons, but over my lifetime – the Kentucky-Tennessee rivalry has been really one-sided. Yeah. So those next two games are going to be huge, and to me those will define the season because then after that you get into Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, and Louisville. And I think I think those are three wins for Kentucky. So now you're, now you're looking at nine wins. Well, these two games here are going to decide whether you're 9-3, 10-2, and or 11-1. I, I really do think there's – unless a big injury happens, I don't think there's – I think they should win all of them. They're better than all those teams. Mississippi State's probably my biggest worry because it's at Mississippi State, and like you said, it's weird down there. I think especially if the Tennessee game is a night game, which it should be because it's it's sold out, it's Tennessee, I think the environment there is going to be crazy. 
But uh, I do worry about Starkville a lot. Stark Vegas. Yeah, well, Stark Vegas, the best SEC town. Plus, it's Mike Leach. I mean, what, there could be a week where his team loses by fifty and then beats a uh, number ten ranked team. Well, it's I mean, weird. like I said, they lost. They lost by forty to Alabama. Yeah, so, I mean, Alabama just, just nobody wanted to face Bama after they lost. Yeah, poor Mississippi State. They got them. And they, <laughs> they got pretty well handled. Yes. But uh, and then Tennessee, I think, has Alabama this weekend, the third Saturday in October. So uh, that'll be a nice uh, humbling experience for our balls yeah ball fans. i would think so speaking of tennessee my goodness what a dumpster fire over there them literally f- literally they were throwing dumpsters <laughs> i think one was on fire <laughs> don't you think that's just trashy and bush league uh, it's bad man it's bad when you have something T- tennessee like fans have this um this thing where they think they still think that they are t- the tennessee of old nebraska's kind of like that and i'm i'm there's probably some Tennessee fans that listen. I'm just going to be blunt. Tennessee has sucked for years. Well, Tennessee's just, uh, I mean, I mean, right now they're just a middle-of-the-pack yes. SEC team. And they are what? A notch below the South Carolina with Steve Spurrier years? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, mean, they're, I mean, they're just, I mean, they're in the middle of the pack. I mean, I think Kentucky's above them now, though. Not historically, no. but like as a right-now program, yes, I do believe Kentucky's uh, better. Yeah, I think so. But they, they need to prove that when the, when the Vols come to Lexington. Yes. They, you, can't, you can't lose that game. If no. you if you want to if you want to you know put yourself above Tennessee in the pecking order, you have to be able to beat them consistently. And Kentucky's not just not done that. They've not. I mean, even even when it, in years where Kentucky has had a better record, I mean they've lost they've lost to Tennessee. And you can't. It's hard. It's hard to actually put to say we're better than Tennessee when you lose to them on a regular basis. That's something Mark Stoops has got to do. He's got to consistently show like like he's done with South Carolina. Yeah. He's consistently beat South Carolina. There's been a couple of there's been a couple of odd years, but since that Bud Dupree game, I mean, Kentucky has regularly beaten South Carolina. I mean, like I said, they had one or two that they've won, but for the most part, Kentucky yeah. has beaten them year in and year out. That was just a, a terrible showing by fans down there. I think it was at fourth and twenty-four, Tennessee was trying to convert, and to tell you how great Ole Miss's defense is, Tennessee was like a half a yard away from converting that. The fans didn't think it was a good call. I went back and watched it. I thought it was a good call. I thought it was the correct call. It, yeah, it probably was. It was close. And they start throwing stuff out in the field, including a mustard bottle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who <laughs> brings mustard to a game? Yeah, you just, yeah, I mean, somebody had that in their pocket and was like, oh, I'm going to throw this on the field. <laughs> somebody threw a golf ball at Lane Kiffin. Of course, Lane used to coach at Tennessee, left them after one season yeah. to go to USC. Um <laughs> He's, I don't know if you heard his interview. He said there was some bottles with brown stuff in them. I wonder if that was the uh, oh, gosh. Spe- chewing the back. Uh, uh, it, it was. It was I, I wonder. Uh, you know, if we get a bad if we get a bad call at Kroger Field, should we throw mayonnaise on the field? As <laughs> Will left <laughs> bananas, <laughs> ranch dressing. <laughs> And, uh, I, I don't like mustard. Maybe I'll throw honey mustard. I'm a honey mustard I, guy. I do like a good honey mustard. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it is. It's a. It, it, it was pitiful, and you know, it, it's not representative of the whole fan base. You don't no. want to. You don't want to say. You know, all oh, oh, look at all those Tennessee fans. It was. It was a. It's just a few idiots. It seems like a small group. Every fan base has them. Kentucky has a few yeah, idiot fans but out it, there. I thought. I thought the. I thought the SEC fine for that was kind of weak, though. We. They were fined two hundred fifty thousand. That's what we were fined for rushing the field against Ford, and that was Kentucky's third offense. Yeah, um, a lot of people thought Tennessee, t- Tennessee, not Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee should have been fined. 
uh, maybe a half a million dollars and no crowd for the next game, oh, which would have been Georgia. Oh, geez. That's that, their next home that game. I mean, that would have been a gutsy move by the SEC to say, hey, we didn't allow any fans but in you, for that you game. You know, there's a, a famous person from Kentucky that just so happens to have a show that says a rule is not a rule without a punishment. Yeah, and $250,000 is a steep fine, but these schools have money. Yeah, they Tennessee's do. Tennessee's got plenty of money. It's it's just coming out of their share of the SEC money. That, and, and they said, the SEC said, you have to do whatever you can to find out who did this and enforce it. Zach, they're not going to. How, how are you? Neyland Stadium holds 100,000 fans. How are you going to figure out who threw stuff on the field? There's no way. I, thought, I think if the SEC wanted to send a message and say, hey, we're not going to do this, empty the stadium. That would that would be a big move. Because I, that would have hurt uh, on many levels, Zach, because you have the fine, but then Tennessee would not get any revenue for that game or from the from the tickets or concessions. And, and I see that, but also at the same time, I kind of feel like in, the, in a way you're punishing people who weren't involved. That's right. That, so that's th- true. Th- that's what that's why I would say no to that. I think it's I think it'd be kind of a It'd be a big move, and I, and I understand why people would call for that. But again, you're getting into punishing people who had nothing to do with it. I get that. But I, I think the, I, to me, I think the fine should have been larger because uh, you created a a really bad environment. You delayed there. the game for 20 minutes, and they had to evacuate the band and the cheerleaders. I mean, Lane Kiffin got hit with a golf ball. I mean, well, I, know, I know storming the field can be dangerous. I, I, I get that, but they kind of have. The security teams kind of have plans in place for that yeah. to, you know, kind of, you know, kind of, to kind of keep it somewhat as orderly as you can. Yeah. Um, when you've got people just launching stuff from the stands and you don't know what objects are being thrown, you don't know what's coming. You don't know, and so to me, I, to me, I think I think that's more deserving of a larger fine. I wouldn't I wouldn't empty the stadium, but I I would maybe double the fine or something like that. I think, I think that's the correct thing to do there, but uh, yeah, Kentucky versus Mississippi state, Kentucky versus Tennessee, two big games coming up. Um, I think if you win those two games, you should be able to win out. Yeah. I think, I think if you, I think if you come away with wins in those two, I think, I think 11 and one is what you should expect. And then which is unheard of, uh, which would be crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, your bowl game, I don't know what you're going to be. You, I mean, depending on how some things play out, you could be in the Sugar Bowl, Peach Bowl, um, all big national stages, and that would be just absolutely monumental for the program. I want to give you a hypothetical real quick, Zach. I just now thought of this. Would you rather Kentucky go to one of the New Year's Six games, the Fiesta, the Sugar, one of those games, and defeat um, a team like the, there's some of these like smaller teams like Coastal Carolina, uh, UTSA is rising up the ranks. Would you rather beat one of those teams on that stage, or would you rather go to the college football playoff and lose? Give me the playoff. Give me, give me the 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 recognition. The stage is so much bigger. What if it was forty to nothing? Would it matter? Would it matter if the score? Uh, yeah, yeah, the score changes things for me because mm-hmm. it's like, like you remember when Michigan State went to the playoff and just got demolished by yeah, Alabama. That happens in Notre Dame every yeah, year. And, <laughs> it's like, sorry, Jim. It, it it almost becomes a little bit of more of a, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it kind of, I think it kind of hurts your program too in a yeah. way. So if it's a blow, but like if like if Kentucky was the 
four, the four seed in the playoff, and they played Georgia again in the playoff and lost thirty to thirteen. Give me the playoff. Yeah. I mean, I mean, seventeen points. Give me the playoff. Now, if it's if you told me it was going to be like fifty six to three. <laughs> <laughs> no, give me the Sugar Bowl over Coastal Carolina. Take, I'll take give it. Give me the Sugar Bowl and let let me play UConn or somebody like that. <laughs> UMass. Let me let me play Kansas. There. I love doing those hypotheticals though. I want to do one more because I just thought of this again. I mean, hey, we got time. We got time. Um, Kentucky wins a national championship in football, but then the basketball has one winless season the same year. Oh, and thirty but you get a national championship in football. Give me the football championship. Yes, I, I, I agree with you. Give me the, I, I'm give me the football. We'll right, we'll right off the basketball season is something weird because <laughs> we've never done that before. Something <laughs> weird happened. Give me the national championship in football because those just don't come around. Yeah. I mean, I know the winless basketball season doesn't come around either. but oh, We me, didn't think nine wins would come around either, but look what happened. Yeah, I mean, last year almost felt like winless. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Sean, uh, I want to touch on Louisville a little bit. Um, they coming off bye week. They play Boston College. Early six point favorite over Boston College, who got demolished by NC State on Saturday, <laughs> thirty three to seven. And I, I kind of went back and watched some of it. I don't think it even. Sh- I think the score is deceiving. I think NC State probably should have won by more. It, it just a brutal showing by Boston College. I thought they were decent. Mm-hmm. I don't think they are now. I think I think after I saw that, I don't think they're good at all. Louisville comes in as an early six-point favorite. I think it's probably a game Louisville should win. If Louisville loses that game, are they done? I don't think you're totally done yet because the end of your season, you get Syracuse and Duke towards the end of the season before you play Kentucky, so I think those are two wins. Well, but I, I don't know. Syracuse, Syracuse has shown some fight. How many games do they have left, Zach? They've got uh, Boston College, Clemson, Duke. Then they also play Syracuse. They play Kentucky, and then I guess – is that it? Five games? Yeah, probably so. Four so, or five games left. So I think I think Saturday becomes kind of getting into you know must win territory because they're three and three. So you, that, you gotta get three more wins to get to a bowl. You you have to you gotta find them. So you've got remaining. You host NC State or you host Boston College. Go to NC State. Host Clemson. Host Syracuse. Go to Duke. Host Kentucky. Duke, Duke's awful. I mean, Duke, Duke is terrible. Duke That's, got absolutely just taken to the woodshed Saturday. So I'm going to mark that as a win for Louisville. So that's four. That's four. I think they – to me, I think they should beat Boston College on Saturday. And so I think there you're looking at five. So now you have to get another win between NC State, Clemson, Syracuse, and Kentucky. And see, Clemson still cannot score. Yeah, but, man, Clemson's defense. It, I, let me tell you something. If Clemson – had just a mediocre offense, they would be a top five team. I really do believe that because their defense is elite. I mean, it was great against Georgia. The most points they've allowed all year was 27 to NC State. Other than that, they have they gave up 10 to Georgia, gave up three to South Carolina State, eight to Georgia Tech, 13 to Boston College, and 14 to Syracuse. Yeah, they've got a great defense, a championship defense, but their offense is just so bad that their defense can never get off the field. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. If you had an offense that could sustain drives, Clemson's defense no, would be even better. You don't even need a powerhouse, powerhouse offense. Like I said, just a mediocre it's offense. Something to that. sustain a drive yeah. every once in a while. So I'm not I'm not looking at Louisville to win that game. I just think that Clemson's defense is too good. You get into a low-scoring game. I think Clemson will be able to find enough points to win that. 
So NC State looks like they're actually pretty decent. May end up, they may end up winning the ACC. Man, that ACC is pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, don't don't sleep on Wake though. Yeah, Wake is there too. I forget about them. Uh, Wake Poor is there. Wake. Pitt, Pittsburgh is there. They play Clemson this weekend, I believe. Pittsburgh plays Clemson this weekend. Spoiler alert: I'm taking Clemson as an upset pick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Louisville's got a, a a tough road to go. I think I think they can reach six. They'll have to pull out maybe a win they didn't really expect to. But it all starts on Saturday. If they lose Saturday, it gets a whole lot more difficult. Yes, and a lot like we've seen it all year, uh, Louisville has had – I think they've got a pretty decent football team. It's just there's no consistency, and they have to clean that up. Yeah, and I think defensively, defensively they've had a lot of problems on that side. Offense hasn't had a lot of problems. They've been able to put up points. But that's what I worry about when when they play a team like Clemson. You know, if if they can't put up a lot of points – How's their defense going to hold up even against a subpar offense like Clemson has? But um, talking about good offense, Western Kentucky and our boy Bailey Zappi. I'm telling you, man, the kid deserves to be in the Heisman hunt. I, I've got uh, – I know you're going to go over the, the game he just had, but just listen to this. For the year, my man's got twenty six or 2,632 yards, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, I mean, great. I mean, and I think actually I saw he's like a finalist for like one of the quarterback of the year awards, which he should be. Yes, he should. He should be getting much more attention than what he's getting. Yeah, on Saturday, um, Western got back into the win column. Uh, he put up thirty-seven of fifty-four for three ninety-seven and five touchdowns. I mean, and dude, they've got a receiver over there. This kid, Jareth Stearns, he might be one of the best receivers in the country. I mean, he, I mean, he's a little guy. He's like five nine, but he's legit, man. Yeah, he's got. got uh, he's he's approaching a thousand yards for the season and eight touchdowns. Dude's got great speed, great hands. makes makes people miss, makes them look like idiots out there trying to tackle him. It is fascinating, dude. Uh, he he's fun to watch. You can tell he's Bailey Zappi's favorite target because he's got sixty nine receptions on the season. Zach number two is uh has thirty six receptions. <laughs> it's because he's, he's always open. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think anybody can cover him. He's open. He's literally open all the time. Um, so Western goes on the road to FIU Saturday. FIU is one of the worst teams in college football. They they are dreadful. Are they worse than UConn. Uh, they that would be. I wish FIU and UConn would play because that would be our worst game of the week. Mm-hmm. But um, Western's an early fifteen point favorite. Is it at Western or at FIU? At, at FIU. Uh, just looked it up. Tickets are going for $6 if anybody wants to go. Next year, get us some tickets. We'll <laughs> head over to FIU. <laughs> but uh, I think I, now Western, to me, is about to start climbing the Conference USA standings. Yes, I, be, I do believe that they, they, what, they came into the week, what, 1-4, and four, now they're 2-4. and four. Yeah. I think that was a little misleading because what – to Western's credit, they played some really good teams this year, and I say it on every podcast. Bailey Zappi is putting up numbers against good teams. I mean, he did. He he put up the same kind of crazy numbers against Michigan State, who's a top ten team right now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you look at that. They're you know, if they win on Saturday, they're two and one in the conference, which could would almost which would easily vault them to second in the conference USA East. 
and then you know UTSA is out in the conference USA too, and that team is rolling. They're, they they uh, they have just broke into the top twenty five this week. Yeah, number twenty four in the country, and Western played them close. Yeah, uh, do they, is there a, do, do they do a championship game in Conference USA, or they just take like the number one? Team? No, it, I think they play a championship game because it's broken up into divisions. So we could possibly get a rematch. We possibly get a, can we, stay on. Could be. Um, you know, Charlotte, Marshall, FAU, um, Middle Tennessee State. So those are some of the teams uh, Western's competing in that uh, Conference USA East. But I look at the rest of their schedule, man, and they've got a big game against Charlotte in, in two weeks. But other than that, you know, Marshall comes up at the end of the season. I think West, to me, I think Western's going to win that division, play for the Conference USA title, and then, I don't know, they may win the Conference USA after starting off 1-4. and four. That'd be quite the uh, quite the turnaround, and uh, the credit goes to that offense because they are, uh, you know, they've got a, a great offense going on down in Bowling It's Green. a big year because this is Bailey Zappi's senior year, so this is it for him. Yeah, he and, transferred uh, in from um, a, a small college in Texas, like uh, Houston could he, Baptist or could something. Could he make the NFL? It'd be really hard for him, I think, because he's he's a little bit undersized. He's 6'1", 220. And, and not – it's not super athletic. Usually, with your smaller quarterbacks, there needs to be a more of a level of athleticism there and ability to run. So I don't know, but he, he's got a great arm. He's really oh, accurate with yeah. it. He, uh, uh, he he's just he's tied for first in the country in number of touchdowns. He's second in uh, yards. I think I think he's he's put together one of the best quarterback seasons of anybody in college football, yeah. in my opinion. Definitely uh, anybody that uh, Western has seen. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he's the reason. I mean, if they do win Conference USA East, he's he's going to be one of the biggest reasons why. Uh, Sean, I want to touch on uh, Lindsey Wilson football because they put they put together another shutout, back to back shutouts. This was a big game. wasn't Yeah, went against uh, Georgetown. Uh, Georgetown, they went ahead and Georgetown dropped in the rankings. I said last week they were number eight. Uh, I think they dropped them down to like thirteen after they lost, but. Um, you know, another they passed another big test. They went uh, hosted Georgetown and uh, knocked them off thirty-five to zero. I'm telling you, man. It, and barring any injuries, I think Lindsey is going to repeat this year. They they've just they're a powerhouse. Well, I'm 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 excited for the playoffs. I'm hoping to be able to go to one of the playoff games because they're going to ho- they're going to host several of them. When's that start? Their last regular season game is November 13th, so I assume the playoffs will probably start shortly after that. Maybe we can do uh, do one of these on-site. Maybe we can do one of these on-site. That would be fun. <laughs> they, they have a beautiful facility. I mean, I, I oh. love what, driving by the parkway. Lindsay's uh, facility is just beautiful. I, I think it's better than some D1 schools. Oh, it's, it, it, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's on the smaller side, of course, but yeah. it, it, I mean, it, it's, a be- it's a beautiful field, um, arena, you know, Parking and stuff is very seamless. Uh, I think I think it's just really well organized over there. But uh, I want to touch on these defensive numbers because they're crazy. 11 tackles for loss, 8 sacks, only allowed 113 yards of offense. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like Georgia. <laughs> so back-to-back shutouts, now 6-0, and and they're going to go on the road to Pikeville this week. Four regular season games remaining. Um, I think undefeated is on the table. Oh, absolutely. Credit to everybody over there because that program is becoming a juggernaut. Chris Oliver, man, he's he has the Blue Raiders humming, and they're, you know, I, gosh, I mean, back-to-back shutouts. I mean, that's that's impressive. One shutout's impressive enough. Two well, back. nobody's really scored a whole lot on them this year. No, and uh, the defense has been, has been just great, and the offense uh, is really clicking. So, uh, 6-0, you know, looking at 10-0 on the season, hopefully – 
hopefully they do that, and then hopefully they have some playoff games out at uh, Blue Raider Stadium. We'd love to be able to go to one of those. Sean, let's talk about upsets. Uh, last week, I was I I got one last week. One I, got, I was one and one. Oh, did you? Who was it? I forgot. Auburn over Arkansas. That's right. You did pick Auburn. And, and, over. Interesting, and Auburn kind of controlled that game. Auburn really controlled it from the get go. Um, I think I think Auburn is decent. Um, not great, but I think they're still a good team. And went on the road to Arkansas in a pretty in a you know crazy environment. Came out with a, came out with a good win over there, and then Indiana kept it close with Michigan State. You're still not going to convince me Michigan State is good. No, I, I think Michigan State is uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fake? Maybe yeah, the they're kind of they're kind of like a pretender to me because I mean it's like like those Notre Dame teams, like the Notre Dame team that had Manti Teo and uh, yeah. Evergosen. <laughs> Manti Teo was pretending about something else too. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. You know, that everybody says, "Oh yeah, no, Notre Dame's back. They're good." And then they get to run into Mr. Nick Saban in uh, Alabama, and well, we all seen how that. Yeah, went. I, I just, I don't, I don't buy Michigan State. Um, like I said, the scheduling wise, they ha- still haven't really played anybody. Indiana's not even that good, but I thought, well, I mean, they might be able to do something. That game was rough to watch. Now here, Michigan State's getting ready. We're getting ready to find out who Michigan State is because they're, they're off this week. Coming back from the bye week, though, they've got Michigan, Purdue. Maryland, Ohio State, and Penn State as their final five games. They will lose three of those. It's very plausible to me. I think I think they could lose against – if I'm picking losses, I'd say Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Yeah. So, I mean, they could end up being nine and three. You and, know, after, and Purdue, shout out to uh, Jeff Brom, former Western Kentucky coach, and Purdue defeating um, number two Iowa at Iowa. In a game that wasn't – Really, even that close? Was it twenty four to seven? Twenty four to seven. Yeah. I mean, Penn. I mean, not Penn. (laughs) Purdue, pretty well handled them throughout the game, and so I mean, (laughs) I I thought I thought Purdue put together a great performance. We'll kind of see how they uh, we'll kind of see how they follow that up. But I thought good win, a good win for Purdue, a good win for Jeff Brom. He needed a. uh, he needed another good marquee win, and yeah. uh, I, you know, I thought about picking that one last week, but I was like, I think I learned my lesson picking against Iowa. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then here they go and lose. What was your other upset pick? Um, so I had for last week was was Auburn over Arkansas, and then Indiana over Michigan State. Okay, that, that's right. I totally went blank there yep. for a second. See, I I split the difference on mine too. I had um, I had Utah defeating Arizona State, and uh, I don't know why I picked that game. I think. It was just because it was at Utah, and I think Arizona State's a good team, but they're not elite. Some people, some people were pegging Arizona State as some great football team this year, and I love Herm Edwards, but I just I didn't think uh, I didn't think they were gonna. I thought they were gonna stumble. Yeah, and, and talk, they did. And talk about I mean, I was I was just looking at this fourteen to seven going into half. Utah, I was scoring them twenty eight to zero in the second half. It's pretty rough. It was <laughs> pretty rough. I'd say Herm wasn't pleased. A rough, rough half for Herm Edwards. He probably he probably gave those players a good yelling in the locker room <laughs> after that. And uh, I also picked Syracuse to defeat Clemson. Almost happened. Didn't, almost didn't quite happened. happen. Almost happened. He was almost there on that one. Um, Clemson's in a weird place right now. I mean, last week they were a pick to be upset over. I'm getting ready to pick them to have an upset win. 
But uh, so let's get into that. Uh, my first one I'm going with, well, since we already mentioned it, I'll go ahead and mention it. Uh, I'm going to take Clemson over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's ranked 23rd in the country. This sounds so weird. It should be the other way around, Pittsburgh upsetting Clemson. But uh, Pittsburgh's 23rd in the country. They've looked really good. Their quarterback, uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, been <laughs> Shout the, out, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kenny Pickett. I didn't know Kenny Pickett was playing college football. What a time. For, It'd be Ru- hard to take him down. <laughs> former Russell County School Superintendent <laughs> from that to playing quarterback at Pittsburgh. What what a transition. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, Kenny Pickett is the quarterback at Pittsburgh, and he's really good. He's thrown like 20-some touchdowns and only one interception. They got a win, uh, I believe, at Tennessee. or I know they defeated Tennessee. Yeah. Was it at Neyland? Uh I can't remember where it was at, but they did. Get, it was like a 41-34 to win over Tennessee. Uh, they've got a good offense, but like we were talking about, Clemson's got a good defense. I think Clemson can kind of muddy that game up, make it a low-scoring affair, and come away with like a, I don't know, maybe a 16-13 to 13 win or something. Um, so I'm going to take Clemson over Pittsburgh and pick upset pick one of the week. Uh, my first pick, I'm picking uh, the Bruins of UCLA to defeat Oregon. Um, Oregon, they've got to win over Ohio State, and people thought, okay, they're going to go to the playoff. And then they go and lose to Stanford. And, and Zach Stanford is just – not good this year. They're they're three and four. They're not 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 the Stanford teams that we remember from a few years back. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey and Toby Gerhardt ain't walking <laughs> yeah, through that they're, door. They're not coming back. They still got David Shaw, but <laughs> well, who knows for how much longer? Yeah, really. Uh, and UCLA has been a very solid team this year. They they've got two losses. They lost to Fresno and lost to Arizona State. But it's Chip Kelly, man, and. Uh, I, I think he can create some magic every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, and I think with it being on the road, and with Oregon, I'm not sure how real Oregon is, Zach. I don't know. See, because to me, they've like they've been playing with fire all year. You know, they barely beat Fresno in the opener, and then they, of course they ended up losing to Stanford in overtime, and then the next week. Go up against a dreadful Cal team and only come out with a seven point win. Yeah, and, and California's bad. Yeah, they're like, I mean, they're one and five and they and they are brutal. So I mean, Oregon's kind of been playing with fire, and if it gets down to a close game, I wouldn't be surprised if UCLA comes out on top. Yeah, that's gonna be my first pick. And so I'm gonna go with my second one. I'm gonna take Iowa State at home over Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is undefeated. They're number eight in the country, but I just don't believe they're the eighth best team in the country. I just don't. Um, kind of like Michigan State, they haven't really played. They played Texas, beat them. They beat Baylor, which is okay. But I, I don't, I'm not sure about Texas. I'm not year. sure about Texas. I'm not totally sure about Baylor. So I'm not. I'm not totally sold on Oklahoma State. Uh, Iowa State's got a really good head coach in Matt Campbell, who's probably going to be an NFL coach someday. Um, I'm just not ready to, you know, crown them as a top ten team in the country. I think I would go in to we at Iowa State. I think the Cyclones come out on top. I think that's a good pick. Uh, mine is, I guess, a pretty big one when it comes to you know, the rankings. Although they're not a huge favorite, it's actually gone down since last I checked. Uh, I have picked USC to go on the road in South Bend to defeat Notre Dame, who's number 13 in the country. USC 3-3 three and three on the year. Uh, they are uh, they fired their coach earlier in the year, Clay Helton. They're going to be searching for a new head man. Uh, 
Zach, I just don't think Notre Dame's very good this year. They're five and one, but it's not a very good five and one. They, they lost at home to Cincinnati. Uh, they're out. They are now a six and a half point favorite. They were a seven point favorite when I checked earlier. Yeah, and, uh, they're just not a very good team, Zach. Yeah, I mean, you look at them. You know, bear. You know. Remember in the opening week of the season when we thought Florida State was good? Now we see Florida State's really not yeah, that good. And they barely beat Toledo. Barely beat Toledo. Um, you, you know they narrowly escaped against Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago. Um, I, you know, I don't know what to make of USC, but you know I can kind of see that. I can see that game. I can see USC coming out on top of that one. Sean, exciting week of college football. We got another one coming up. Uh, been. I'm excited. Uh, we're coming down to the home stretch of the season. We're going to start seeing uh, playoff rankings come out here soon. I think. I'm excited. I'm also sad too because you know we're the close. The more we progress, the closer we get to the end. And I just, it's been so much fun so far this year with college football. It's it's always more fun whenever the team you like is doing good. Yeah, it adds to, it adds to the fun. But I think overall, I mean, there's just been a lot of uh, been a lot of good games this year. A lot. Of, it's it's been exciting. It's. There's been a lot of unpredictability, a lot of upsets. Um, I mean, I think it's been a really good college football scene. It's been really good to, you know, I mean, being able to be at Kroger Field and be in the stands too, but being able to see these stadiums that are packed with fans too. And on, on top of all that, you know, now a lot of the health experts are coming out and saying, you know, we were wrong. These these outdoor events aren't super spreaders for COVID. You, you know, um I, I've not really heard of much of anything happening here in the state, like Kroger Field, and I feel like had there been a had been big outbreaks associated with the stadium, we would have heard about it. Yeah, and there's just not been. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't go get vaccinated. We don't. We're not coming out. We're, we're no, not, they say we we ain't one of those people. We're just saying that uh, the stadiums. It's it's outside. It's proven to be. It's fine. It, it seems like it seems like outdoor events are uh, are. are fairly safe and so um you know i'm glad to see that i'm glad to see that we can have these large outdoor events because i think it's played a role in some of these games because you gotta think zach some of these players that are that were new to these programs they didn't experience the the raucous environments last year so for some of them this is their first year in that environment and i think we've seen that play out in some of these games and i think it's and i think it's good for a lot of fans to be able to go and do something like that again oh i I, i've been having the time time of my life doing these games this year and i i I haven't been to kroger field since it was commonwealth stadium (laughs) and i don't know about you but it was hard to like I, i could watch kentucky last year but this year I've been watching just all sorts of football. Last year it was hard because it was just you, different. Yeah, you look around and there's nobody in the stands, and I'm not watching it for the fans. But when you hear the crowd, it does add to the excitement. It, and there was nothing, and you could tell it was manufactured noise. Yeah, it just, it just adds to the environment, adds to the experience. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I'm glad to see that, and I'm glad that it, these have been able to be done and be done safely. Yes, uh, and that, that, that's that, that's number one thing, safety. I think had there been big outbreaks, we would have heard something. I'm glad there's not been. I'm yeah, really glad. I, I, and I'm and you're even seeing a lot of um, a lot of health experts saying, you know, you know, we were wrong on this, you yeah. know, and I and I think that's I think that's good. I think they've I think it's good to. Admit. I like that transparency. Yeah, you know, and it, that's just part of it. But, uh, yeah, there's not really been any super spreader events, even with, like, the crowd stormings and stuff like that that's happened. It's just not there. And so um, I, I, it's really good to see. It's really good that we can – seems like we can have these outdoor events and they be – You think basketball season will be different with uh, – like, different in terms of 
there's not really been a lot of restrictions with football. You think we see anything with basketball? Well, I think like at Rep Arena, I think they're they're um, they're requiring masks. Are they? Yeah. So, um, so that so that's the thing. Which I mean, honestly, and to me, having to if I have to wear a mask to go in and watch a basketball game at Rep Arena, it's a small price to pay. Yeah, it's know? not it's not infringing on my rights. No, it's just it's it, it's a small <laughs> it's a small price to pay to be able to do something. So it, to me, it's not that big a deal. Um, but I, I'm just—I've been really thrilled with this college football season so far, and uh, it, it feels like pre-COVID. It's not, but it, feel, it, it it's some. It feels like we've got some sense of normalcy back that we've not had, Zach, in what eighteen months. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. It, it 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 does kind of feel like you have that pre-COVID feel. You know, it's it, you know, it's not it's not all restricted, and we're, you know, we're not having to try to sit six feet apart from the person next to us. I mean. And, and and the thing about it is we're able to we're able to do it and we're able to do it safely and that's what's really important. Um, I'm I'm just I'm just glad you know we've had college football back and it's been it's been normal and it's been a fun year. Well, Sean, I think we're gonna go ahead and kind of wrap this up. Uh, thanks for joining me again on this se- on this session of the Bluegrass Blitz with Zach and Sean. And guys, I think you are going to enjoy the cover art. Be looking out for that because it's a pretty interesting picture. Please, it's fascinating. Yes, please tell us what you think about the cover <laughs> art because we absolutely love it. Thanks again, Sean, and uh, go Cats. Thanks, Zach. Go Cats.